In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McMinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McMinney. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. 1 Corinthians 13.1 With the coming of Jesus and his fulfillment of the law and prophets, the kingdom of heaven was inaugurated. His coming appeared to overrule the decrees found in the teachings of Moses. Matthew, however, adheres to the teaching that in Jesus there is a new interpretive key for fulfilling the law and the prophets. In the 22nd chapter of his gospel, verses 37 through 39, he gives us the greatest commandment from Jesus himself, to love God. There's that word. With all our hearts, our souls, and minds. He continues. And the second commandment is like unto it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Paul says love is of the utmost importance. So does Jesus. We learn that everything in the law and prophets from the Old Testament must now be seen through this perspective, provided by the kingdom of heaven. Love. Nothing is to be abolished. Everything is to be fulfilled. Everything is to be understood and implemented through love. Good afternoon. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler, and I'm your host, Vivian McMinney. April is Child Abuse Awareness and Prevention Month, and I have Dean Tong, an expert on the issue of false child abuse allegations, as my guest. I'll be finishing up the chapter of my book dealing with television and moderation, and talking about some of the music chosen by parents for their children to sing at the recent auditions I presided over for this year's Garland Summer Musicals. So sit down, drink your tea, and hearken to the latest goings-on in my fast-paced life. My barista daughter is no longer that. There are too many conflicts with school and her social life, not to mention college visits and future wisdom teeth extractions. So my sleep is not disturbed at the crack of dawn anymore. Instead, I'm roused around 7am when my son starts to stir for work. What a relief, an extra two two hours of shut-eye. I must say I'm going to miss the pound of coffee each week. I suppose we'll have to reach deep down in our pockets to replenish our supply. Would we run out? No going back to Folgers for us. Malia now ostensibly has more time to study, and she has been reading and writing. I'll give her that. I don't know if she's got much further with the book she started on the plane last week, but she did comment on the fact that I'd finished mine and was already on the second book in the trilogy. Sunbathing's been going on around our pool, too. Lovely, crisp, sunny days have been awarded us, not to mention the destructive wind, which is also responsible for scattering blossom into our pool and surrounding garden. Pool sweep and blue-eyed cowboy are hard at work each day keeping everything cleared. I spent the weekend inside only hearing about the glorious weather from auditionees coming in from the heat. Garland Summer Musicals held their auditions all last weekend, as well as Monday and Wednesday, and this coming Sunday evening. 
The first day we saw individuals from 9am until 10pm. A lunch break of five minutes had been mistakenly scheduled for us, so we had to eat at our desks and on the stage, but did manage to get a dinner break. It's wonderful having older children. My teacher daughter, Paris, who'd been taking advantage of the outdoors all day, cooked us a lovely meal for the break. At the theatre, we spent some of the quieter moments eavesdropping on the auditions and preparing for the massive dance course scheduled for the next day at noon. Of course, as is always the way with large events, we weren't adequately prepared for the onslaught. I arrived 30 minutes early on Sunday and already there were eager dancers in the lobby stretching and waiting. Those dancers, always on time. We had more than 100 young men and women show up. Some had been the day before, so already had forms and numbers, but there were easily as many who were new and had to fill out forms, be assigned numbers. But we valiantly fought the rush, and between me, my Texan, and our oldest son, we won the battle. And everyone was numbered and ready by 1pm when the dancing commenced on stage. What shows are we going to do this year? Music Man is the first one in the middle of June, followed by Cats at the end of July. Go online to Garland Summer Musicals and buy your tickets now. Buff, the director, and his team are looking for professional dancers for Cats, and they were rewarded with potential members of the cast from Dallas Black, Dallas Ballet, and other contemporary dance companies around town. Buff also attracted a good number of singers from the opera, and so we were treated to some marvellous voices and exquisite movers over the weekend. Of course, we also had our fair share of cringe moments, like the man who sang Hair from the musical of the same name and whipped out a long black wig at the last minute to pop on his head, a prop that had distracted him throughout his audition but left an indelible impression on the directors. On Monday, we conducted the children's auditions for Music Man. Some of the songs sung by the children were most inappropriate. For example, a seven-year-old sang a song from Cabaret and a nine-year-old sang a song from Chicago, complete with seductive moves. What are the parents thinking? Our music director suggested perhaps they should go and see the shows before allowing their children to select their pieces. One young boy, though, sang an age-appropriate song called Down by the Bay by the children's entertainer Rafi. It was cute, but he couldn't keep in tune or on time. Shame. On that note, it's time for the conclusion of my chapter entitled Television is Not a Team Player. Initially, the television set was not the social threat and downfall of our future generation that is being touted today. If left to the fundamental Christian groups, all televisions would be banned from the continental USA, or at least from the young viewing eyes of children. Fathers in these households still seem to have a stronghold on the television and their particular man shows. While not such an extremist myself, I venture to guess that any parent who has the best interests of his or her child at heart would agree with the experts who claim there is a parallel between strangers and television, and caution must be observed. Would we permit someone would we permit someone whose inner thoughts were unknown to us into the sacred confines of our home? Would we allow them to play with and entertain our children, sometimes filling their heads with all kinds of myths and untruths about the world? Would we furthermore support them in their portrayal of families who would not pass muster with God? No. Then why do we universally allow television into every room of our homes to influence, teach, encourage, confuse and lead astray our children from birth, thus rendering it addictive by the time they're school age? 
true, unwholesome images can flash before our children in the daily walk of their lives. Outbursts of road rage, impatience at the doctor's office, broken promises instantly spring to mind, but hopefully we're with them at the time these infractions occur. How many parents actually supervise their children's television watching? It has become the best babysitter around. Even daycare centres use it. Paul advised us to live in the world. We have no choice here, but he cautions us not to be of it. We have myriads of choices here. We cannot completely banish the many faces of media from our lives. We'd be foolish indeed to lock ourselves up in a padded cell or our basements, thus perpetuating the mistaken and popular image of the suppressed homeschooler. We'd be foolish indeed to pretend, while thus ensconced, to have rich and fulfilling lives. How then do we live? As a Benedictine householder, I believe in moderation. Like everything in my life, television can be used to advantage. There are many worthwhile programs that can be enriching. I've even learned a few lessons from this large electronic device from time to time. But if used excessively, it can be damaging. It may not result in a serious physical ailment, but it could cause acedia, a dulling of the senses, a wasting away of the mind. Too much television restricts our ability to live up to the full potential of a being created in God's image. When I arrived on these distant shores from my homeland, I was amazed that in many households the television was a constant companion. It was used to keep the dog company when the owners were out. It was used to keep the owners company when the dog was out. It was used as a distraction for the children while the parents were doing other things. It replaced the fireplace as the focal point of the living room. It was abused. Fat, meat, sugar and bread can be abused also. We know that if we cut out food altogether, we would not live for very long. Moderation is good for everything. If we eliminate certain things from our diet or our lives, if we are not allowed to define how much of something is bad for us, then we'll never learn the power of moderation. We'll never learn how to make wise choices. If our children are not allowed any access to the media because it does not tell Christian stories or give godly viewpoints all the time, how are they ever going to be able to discern the good from the bad? One year, I announced to my little schoolhouse that the television set was being brought on as an additional member of our faculty of two. They groaned. Why? I wondered aloud. Television is meant to be for fun, not for school, they enlightened me. Unrestricted viewing is not promoted in our house. I could have happily done without the box, but my husband wisely hung on to it. It's good for relaxing in front of, he yawned. With only good intentions on my part, my weak attempt at enlisting their hallowed instrument of entertainment to become a member of the academic staff did not go down well. We don't have time to watch it during the day, they observed. You keep us way too busy with school. Needless to say, this faculty member, who had all the qualifications to become a part of our school, was given the boot within a few short weeks. I patted myself on the back for my quick response to student unrest. I should have known that the leap from a movie once a week to a regular member of the teaching staff was stretching it a bit. Our children have found out for themselves that, like Sesame Street and Thomas the Tank Engine, which were coveted moments of escape during the day when they were young, recreational television can enrich the more relaxing moments of their days and help them forget about schoolwork. Amid all this reflection, my beautiful young daughter Paris was still mulling over the disturbing discovery she had made while babysitting. What on earth are they going to buy for their children when they're teenagers, she persisted. 
I know some small children of five who already have iPods and laptops. Whatever happened to age-appropriate gifts? Whatever happened to toys, she asked. I agreed with her. The children of today are very precocious, and with their high consumer mentality at such an early age, is it a wonder that parents believe they cannot afford to join the ranks of those of us who homeschool? Leah and I went to the store last week and um, we went to get what she announced on the food aisle of Kroger to be the best pickles in the world. We have to get them, she said. They're kept cold. A young man and his mother overheard her and they burst into peals of laughter. It feels good to amuse people sometimes, but when we really don't know the inside joke, it is perplexing. What did she say wrong, I wondered. Well, I'm off on a break, and when I come back, I have my guest, Dean Tong, and he's ready and waiting for us. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Christian work-at-home moms, here is your own show on Toginet. It's CWAM, Christian work-at-home moms, with Jill Hart and Diana Innan. Thursdays at 10 a.m. Central on Toginet. Um, I'd love to share with you just a little bit about how CWAM can help you, whether you are new to the work-at-home world and just starting out your search, or whether you've been working at home for a while and are looking to grow your business. Jill Hart is the founder of Christian Work-at-Home Moms, CWAM.com, and co-author of So You Want to Be a Work-at-Home Mom. Jill has worked from home from 2000 and started her home-based business to assist other Christians who desire to work from home while maintaining a godly life. And Diana Ennett with virtualwordpublishing.com. I really, truly want to see you succeed, want to share the joy that I have in being home with my kids and being able to build my own business. And she's ready to help you now. Christian Work at Home Moms with Jill Hart and Diana Ennett. Thursdays at 10 a.m. Central on Toginap. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for you to be a rock star. Get ready to rock with Rock Talk and Craig Deswalt and learn how to achieve rock star status in your industry every Tuesday afternoon at 2, 1 Central on Toginet.com. Craig Deswalt is the creator of the Rock Star System for Success. Craig will share easy tips and strategies on how entrepreneurs and businesses can use outside-the-box marketing strategies to stand out from the competition. Each high-energy show will feature interviews with celebrity rock stars as well as business rock stars. For more on Craig, the show, and the Rockstar Marketing Boot Camps, check out the website, CraigDuswalt.com, so you can learn how to be perceived as an expert and celebrity in your field, so more people come to you to buy your services and products. Then, get ready to be a rock star with Rock Talk and Craig Duswalt. Tuesday afternoons at 2, 1 Central on Tugginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Tugginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. 
Well, my guest this afternoon is forensic trial consultant and expert, Dean Tong. Dean became involved with homeschoolers professionally back in the 90s when he was emailed and called about their nightmare CPS and homeschooling-related stories. He's written several books, the latest of which is called Elusive Innocence, Survival Guide for the Falsely Accused. Welcome, Dean. Thank you for joining me this afternoon. Thanks for having me this afternoon. Okay. Can you hear me all right? Yes. Yes, okay. Um, okay, well, first off, um, where are you located so my listeners can kind of um, I am based out of Tampa Bay, Florida. Tampa, Florida. Have you got beautiful weather right now? Yes, very nice. Thank you. Well, good, good. We have glorious weather here. Um, okay, so give me a little bit of history as to um, how you became involved with um, homeschoolers back in the 90s. Uh, well, I uh, got involved in the child protection system firsthand uh, over 25 years ago. And I'm not going to go through that, but the, uh, the short of the long was uh, I basically self-taught myself to uh, fight back against the child protection, um, who basically uh, this is a system that is well-meaning, well-intentioned, but you have to understand that uh, anybody who has an axe to grind, anybody who has a motive, method, opportunity, nosy neighbor, uh, disgruntled neighbor, a uh, uh, person who doesn't like you for whatever reason or doesn't like your child, uh, can turn you in anonymous, anonymously to child protection. Under the law, this is called the loco parentis parents the state as the parent. And actually, recently there was a documentary entitled The Child that talked about this assault on parental rights, that the parents' rights are at risk. Um, and those that homeschool and keep your child out of an educational institution where mandated reporters are present uh, ticks off the government and gives them more reason to intervene in your life. Uh, and there could be serious consequences from that. So um, I became an expert, and I have now tendered as an expert, uh, testified and been admitted in many courts, criminal and civil across America, um, on the protocols that child protection uses to interview the kids once a case has started, an investigation has formally started. Um, but my website, abuse-excuse.com, has been on the net for 15 years. And, of course, uh, in 96, when it, when it surfaced on the net, I started getting you know, emails emails and phone calls as well, because um, yeah, I consult on these cases uh, as an expert, and I testify, of course, uh, and some cases uh, came, came via homeschoolers, and homeschoolers were um, totally naive to this. They didn't understand that a social worker or a cop could knock on their door because they got a report that uh, they're mistreating their child, they're homeschooling their child, but they're mistreating their child. And it could be anything from educational neglect to failure to thrive to uh, not getting the proper nutrition to physical abuse where a, na- a neighbor saw a kid run out uh, from, the, from the house who's being homeschooled with bruises on her legs or his legs um, or, or um, you know, neglect, failure to protect are the, are the two most common uh, issues. <clears throat> and, and you have to know that uh, uh, the government has the right to knock on your door at any time. 
uh, albeit child protection. Uh, in your state of Texas, it would be called the Department of Family and Protective Services, DFPS, used to be called TDPRS, uh, and or the police. And, uh, of course, if you talk to these people without a lawyer present, uh, you could be uh, um, compromising your rights uh, and the rights, of course, of, of your own children, um, uh, you know, and, and, and your business, you know, your, your, you know, what you're doing, which is homeschooling your kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so you have to understand your rights here, and you have to understand that you can be accused anonymously, and the government that is charged to protect our kids at risk and harm's way and jeopardy absolutely has the right to knock on your door and actually interview those kids with or without your uh, permission to do so. And if you give them a hard time, they'll just call the police and they'll get a warrant and break your door down. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, welcome to America with with a K. <laughs> well, you mentioned um, HSLDA and the film um, The Child, and um, I haven't actually seen the film myself, but I talked to um, the lawyers at HSLDA because um, it is recommended for homeschoolers to actually belong to that association um, yep. because they say that they do tell us that if somebody comes knocking on our doors, before we answer it, we need to call them and shout through the door saying, I'm getting a lawyer on the phone. Right. I can't open the door until then. So, you know, they're told that, but there are a lot of parents that still fall foul because I suppose they just panic. They just see these authorities outside. Well, look, outside. When, when you haven't done anything wrong, Vivian, and, and you don't believe you're doing anything wrong, mm-hmm. then why would you not talk to somebody who's uh, questioning what you're doing? Mm-hmm. And, and that's what most American parents do. They'll, mm-hmm. they'll, you know, they're just free and willing to take a polygraph and give their blood and bodily fluids and talk mm-hmm. to the until the cows come home. And when you do that, you can make inculpatory statements and you can hurt yourself, hurt your kids, uh, and hurt your business. Mm-hmm. That's right. Now, you've also, you wrote a, um, an article called The State as the Parent Syndrome, and you used um, um, a phrase, perceived impropriety. Could you, could you tell us a little bit more about what that means? Well, in, in these cases, uh, what, what's most uh, extraordinary, Vivian, is um, when they come to court, uh, it's, it's called the Doctrine of Res Geste, R-E-S-G-E-S-T-A-E, and that basically means that any hearsay from a child is legally admissible as an exception to our hearsay rule. We have hearsay rules under the law. Mm-hmm. and uh, all 50 states. But any outcry or disclosure from a kid uh, is admissible. So let's say that uh, you're homeschooling your child, but uh, he or she doesn't like the math se- segment, um, or he and she, or he or she thinks you're, <clears throat> you're being too uh, diligent, uh, there's not enough time for breaks, uh, you know, th- that kid could turn you in. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's just a thousand ways to, to, to come under the, under the legal microscope here and under the gun of, of child protection. Uh, mm-hmm. And you have to know that uh, there doesn't need to be physical evidence here. All there needs to be is uncorroborated hearsay from the mouths of babes. That's mm-hmm. enough to get you in legal hot water. That, and, and, you know, you mentioned something in that article about the um, bill that um, President Clinton signed called the Violence Against Women Act. And as with HSLDA, and they're talking about the NATO treaty, I mean, it all looks on the surface to us who aren't legal minded 
good. It looks as though, hey, you know, they're, they're, they're helping children who, who don't have a say-so, you know, who are, who are being badly treated in these, you know, third world countries or whatever, or these women that are being violently attacked by, by people in their, in their homes. And so on the surface, it looks good. And then when you start to dig, you go, this is affecting this and this will impact that over here. And um, you say something about the Violence Against Women's Act. On the surface, that looks good. But underneath, what's it doing? Well, yeah, VAWA doesn't really have a lot to do with what we're talking about today or even, okay. the, or even the United Nations Convention on the Rights of the Child. Now, CAPTA does. That's the, that's the Child Abuse Prevention and Treatment Act of 1974, a.k.a. the Mondale Act, named after former uh, Vice President Walter Mondale. Okay. That gave the rights to child protection uh, in Washington, D.C., Department of Health and Human Services, to basically um, allow people to call anonymously here in Florida, the number is 1-896-ABUSE, and, and you can use that number as a malicious uh, invitation to uh, an open invitation to malicious slander. I mean, mm-hmm. you can ruin somebody's life by picking up the telephone. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you can be vindictive. You can be vengeful. Uh, you, you, can, you can say you're being protective. You think something's happening in that house. Um, they never come out. I, I, think, I think they homeschool their kids, but there may be some type of David Koresh Waco cult going on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, all it takes is that allegation. And if you don't mm-hmm. think that that, that, that allegation, uh, that complaint is not going to spur an investigation, think again. Mm. Now, you have some tips. You have some do's and don'ts. Um, you know, sort of um, on, on one of your website, well, your abuse-excuse.com. And um, one of them, you say, stay cool, calm, and collected. Um, because, as you said, you know, if you start to get sort of um, stroppy with the people at your door, then they can turn around and call the police on you, and you go, Ooh, you know. Well, it's not just that. I mean, if, 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 you, if you start getting angry, then, you mm-hmm. know, that, that takes the profile of being an abuser. Mm-hmm. You're, you're now starting to fit the profile, according to the social workers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have to understand, look, we, we want to protect children, we want, to, we want to protect women, there need to be laws in place, that's fine. Uh, and these people that are charged uh, to do this job, child protection workers, they do see a lot of horrific abuse, both physical, sexual, and otherwise. That said, there was another coin, there's another uh, side to this story, and that's the flip side or the false side. And, and you know, parents who homeschool are absolutely at risk, uh, you know, to, to come into contact with child protection and be falsely accused of abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, so take us through um, what we could do to um, help ourselves or protect ourselves if CPS does knock on our door. Yeah, anybody, anybody Vivian, who homeschools really, um, and I was published in an article by Isabel Lyman. Dr. Lyman wrote an article that was published in The New American uh, that had a couple of quotes from me back in um, 2002, 2003. But uh, anybody uh, should go to the website x10.com, x the number 10.com, and purchase these uh, uh, mini audio and video uh, cams, these mini cams uh, mm-hmm. to set your house up like a bank. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and you're not doing it to surreptitiously tape anybody, mm-hmm. um, including the government, but you're doing it, you know, you'll be doing it as a compliment to your ADT to break security. But, mm-hmm. but the point is, you do have these, uh, you do have accountability. 
uh, with with these uh, mini cams, audio and video. So very very important. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also, of course, encourage parents who are involved in parental alienation cases to purchase the same mm-hmm. uh, because kids, you know, they they will say things spontaneously, trying to say, you know, to to pit one parent against the other parent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, very important. To, to have accountability. Uh, certainly, um, you know, if, if you hear something that, uh, you know, you may get turned into child protection or, you know, your, your little two-and-a-half-year-old um, uh, ran outside and all of a sudden her diaper came off and a nosy neighbor saw that and um, is thinking sexual terms because the child is nude mm-hmm. and, and calls it in, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and you do get a knock on the door or a social worker leaves their business card at your door, obviously you want to start a timeline in your computer. Dean, we need to go on a break now. We'll be back in about 90 seconds. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. People think I've made it. I'm popular. I seem happy all the time. I have great clothes, and I'm involved in everything. But I have questions, doubts, and fears, just like every other teenager. That's why I'm glad for Teen Talk Radio, where it's all about choices. Join us for Teen Talk Radio with Nicole O'Dell, Thursday nights at 10, 9 central on toginet.com. The choices we have to make that can alter the course of our lives. Life is too much pressure if we try to go it alone. I tune in to Teen Talk Radio with Nicole O'Dell every week to get reminded that I'm not alone. Nicole O'Dell is an expert on what happens in the lives of teenagers. Join her as she deals with topics like peer pressure, purity, drugs, alcohol, and many other things that might come up along the way. She writes books and speaks to people all over the place, but she says her favorite moments are when she can pull up a chair and chat with teens about what's important to us. For more information on Nicole and her books, go to NicoleO'Dell.com. Then join us for Teen Talk Radio with Nicole O'Dell, Thursday nights at 10, 9 central on Toginet.com. Teen Talk Radio, where it's all about choices. Everyday Autism Miracles with Shannon Pinrod. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 central on Toginet.com. Life after an autism spectrum diagnosis doesn't have to be difficult. It can be joyful, happy, and filled with hope. Join Shannon Pinrod, author, speaker, coach, and mom of a six-year-old recovering from autism for this inspirational hour of hope. She's even authored a series of children's autism books with her son, Jim. For more information about the books, Shannon, and Everyday Autism Miracles, go to her website, shannonpinrod.com. From there, you can also get to her other websites, blogs, and connections. On Everyday Autism Miracles, you'll hear stories from parents whose children have made miraculous strides. You'll also get the inside dish on therapies, treatments, supplements, and how to get funding to help you afford them. Miracles abound in the autism community. So tune in for Everyday Autism Miracles to listen, share, laugh, and surround yourself with hope. Everyday Autism Miracles with Shannon Penrod. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Um, so, Dean, you were giving us um, a few tips on what we could do to protect ourselves. One of them was the set up um, video cams around our house. Another one was to keep um, 
Yeah, I, I guess the first thing, uh, Vivian, is, is you know the, any parent who homeschools needs to understand that uh, uh, don't think it can't happen to you because it can. Yeah. So yeah. you're you're not immune from uh, not being investigated here, uh, not being called in by somebody. Uh, so you got to be prepared. You know, preventive medicine is 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 the best remedy here. It's the best defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, that said, you should uh, prepare a timeline once you know an allegation has surfaced. Mm-hmm. Because uh, a lawyer is going to need that, <laughs> and lawyers.com is probably the best uh, website on the net. Uh, you want to get a lawyer who uh, obviously has experience in litigating and trying cases against child protection. Um, they can also put your name on what's called the uh, child abuse registry, uh, and that could prevent you from getting a job with the government. It could prevent you from homeschooling. So that, that's another way that child protection can get you. They do their own internal investigation, even though they're not fact-finders, they're not judges or juries, mm-hmm. uh, and they come up with a, with a founded or unfounded classification of their investigation. And if it's founded and you appeal it but you do not win, you're unsuccessful, your days as a licensed homeschooler can be over. Mm-hmm. So understand that you need a litigator, a lawyer, who uh, is experienced in trying these cases, uh, in juvenile dependency court uh, and what's called administrative law law court AL, ALJ cases, administrative law cases, mm-hmm. and lawyers.com is, is is a good place to uh, to go. There's also a section in my book, How to Choose Your Attorney, uh, my book, Elusive Innocence. Uh, so you know it, it, it's very important because obviously if you don't have right counsel. Uh, you know, you can lose. And just because a lawyer has a law license, uh, it doesn't mean he or she really knows what they're doing. Uh, lawyers don't don't get this stuff in law school. They're not trained on how to try false abuse cases in law school. This is pretty much on-the-job training. Mm-hmm. So, um, Dean, do you think that um, CPS kind of... Um pinpoint homeschoolers i mean do are they fans of homeschoolers no no obviously not because they want they want the kids uh in the educational institutions where they can be babysat by teachers who are mandated reporters teachers are, are, are of course required by law to report any reasonable suspicion of child abuse or neglect failure to do so they can have their professional teaching license stripped and or be charged criminally with a misdemeanor mm-hmm. so of course no they don't want uh uh the kid out of the educational institution they don't want the kid to be homeschooled. They want the kid babysat by uh, by a peer, which would be a teacher uh, in an educational institution. Mm-hmm. Um, I think their mindset is that most homeschoolers are, don't have much resources and probably are vulnerable to be uh, easy prey. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in, in cases of investigations that go to court, and they think they can win those cases very easily. And that probably is pretty uh, pretty accurate. Most homeschool uh, families that have emailed me over the years, over the last 15 years, uh, you know, even before the recession, did not have a lot in the way of resources to be able mm-hmm. to fight back these charges, which can be very, very expensive to do so. So, Dean, in your experience, um what would would you say that most of the homeschoolers that are accused are falsely accused, or uh, how does how does that balance with parents who aren't homeschoolers versus homeschoolers? Yeah, I don't know that HSDLA. Uh, um HSLDA, I'm sorry, Homeschool Legal Defense Association, Michael Farris and company, and they used to have a lawyer who I worked pretty closely with over there who passed away a couple of years ago, Chris Klicka. Yes. Yeah. Um, 
but uh, I don't think they have any stats on uh, homeschoolers versus non-homeschoolers that are that are accused, or, uh, rightly or wrongly, of child abuse. Mm-hmm. And I know that Health and Human Services does not, because I I'm, I'm, I keep up on those stats very very much so. So I I, I really can't answer your question statistically speaking there, uh, but I would say uh, I would say that anecdotally speaking, more homeschoolers are wrongly accused than rightly accused. And is there, uh, are there any states where homeschoolers are more vulnerable than other states, or is it pretty much across the board? No, I, I really, uh, you know, your larger states, uh, Vivian, uh, the states that obviously still have active child abuse registries, uh, California, um, New York, uh, very vulnerable, Illinois, Chicago. Uh, the, mm. big, the big states, my state of Florida. Mm. Uh, we don't have a child abuse registry per se anymore, but um, um, you know we, we are a very liberal, pro-government, uh, pro-child, pro-woman state. Mm. And uh, uh, if we're going to err, we're going to do so on the side of investigation and protecting the kid on, on, mm. on, on, on making a mistake on the side of that child, not knowing that uh, disrupting the family, disrupting the uh, homeschooling environment, um, uh, and you may be treating a non-abused child as a truly abused victim, can be very emotionally, psychologically damaging to that child. Yeah, I know. That's uh, just uh, I don't know. It just sounds sounds scary because it's kind of like a it's a it's a fine line. It's a it's a balance because you do want to protect the children, but the children are given. They don't. Children don't fully understand what they're doing when they do that. You know, when they start shouting at their parents, saying, "Leave me alone! Don't do that! Don't do that! You're hurting me!" or whatever. They don't understand the implications right. of that. Right. That's correct. And as an expert in cognitive child developmental psychology, most most kids uh, under the age of reason, which is seven or eight, are very very susceptible and vulnerable to suggestibility mm-hmm. um, and uh, certainly uh, memory distortion. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, they do they do say things that are that are off kilter and, and and that are inaccurate. And I remember Art Linkletter, I think, said it best in his book. Uh, kids say the darndest things. Mm-hmm. So. Um, be careful. Be very, very careful because it's a very slippery slope you're sliding down. And so when, when they take them to interview them on their own, you know, sort of separately away from the parents. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the parents cannot be there. Um, uh, if you're under criminal investigation, because you have to understand now, you, you, may, you may get pulled into juvenile court uh, battling CPS and their attorney, uh, mm-hmm. which is the attorney general's office, uh, but you can also be under, under criminal investigation and be charged with a crime. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and and with that said, um, when the kid is interviewed at the Child Advocacy Center, which is where they do it in your state of Texas, mm-hmm. uh, the CAC, that interview is going to be conducted by a child protection uh, interviewer, uh, but there's going to be a cop, a detective, and a social worker perusing that interview uh, through a one-way mirror. Mm-hmm. They can see in, but the kid can't see out. Mm-hmm. So the child doesn't even know that, that they're there watching in. Uh, parents can't be uh, in the interview room. And if you don't think that they don't use uh, leading questions, suggestive questions, reinforced behavior, uh, dolls and puppets and drawings and cake and candy and ice cream to uh, get these kids to say things that never happen, think again, because that's what I do for a living. Um, and I have critiqued hundreds of DVDs over the years, and I have seen uh, unbelievable interviews. I've heard stuff that you, you just wouldn't believe what I've heard. Uh, in some of my cases. So uh, there's nothing 
nothing I haven't seen, nothing I haven't heard uh, over my 25 years plus of being involved in these cases. But, um, uh, you know, this is a system that's not going away. And um, it's all predicated on money and power. Uh, They are well-meaning. They're well-intentioned. But these are not PhDs that are doing the investigations. And uh, the cops are not PhDs either. Uh, There's a motive here. They don't like to go on witch hunts. They don't like to go on fishing expeditions, but they darn sure do like to get victories. Mm. So I can assure you, um, (laughs) when a case has started uh, being investigated and goes to court, uh, if you don't consider uh, retaining myself or or some expert to help you, uh, you could be in soup. Um, you're, but you say your disclaimer says that you're not a lawyer, right? I'm not a lawyer. But I have, yeah. I have, yeah. I hold a master of science in law and psychology, in mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. uh, child forensic studies, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, multi-published, and, and I've had cases in every state in America except Vermont. All right, that's amazing, and and you you are there as as an expert, obviously on the on the side of the. Panel, I I work with the attorney uh, as a trial expert. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm the one that formats all the questions on direct and cross and redirect and recross for the lawyer, uh, especially of the opposing experts at the at the at the hearing at the trial or. I testify in the witness stand, but I can't do both. So the lawyer has to basically govern uh, how I work. Mm. So we're looking at, um, you know, parents, this traumatic experience for parents, especially if they've been falsely accused, and then the traumatic experience for children as well, because, I mean, you know, how does a child get over something like that? Kids are pretty resilient, Vivian, and um, you know, unfortunately, um, when 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 it's a case of, of uh, when it's a child abuse investigation and the judge orders the kid into therapy, nine times out of ten, the kid is being treated as a victim of abuse by the perpetrator that they believe that that they that, you know that they have that did it, mm-hmm. uh, the government that is. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that will be a little difficult to get over to deprogram and desensitize the child uh, because the child, you know, can be falsely deluded with the fact that the accused is a monster. Mm-hmm. You know, you neglected me, you beat me, you sexually abused me, you know, whatever the allegations mm-hmm. are. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, certainly that takes, uh, you know, that, that takes counseling, that takes therapy, that takes years to, to undo and unravel. But uh, kids are resilient. You'd be surprised. And uh, uh, it's just a matter of whether the parent wants to fight, uh, has the resources to do so. Uh, and then if you don't have the resources, you know, there's another way to get me involved and other people involved, too. And, uh, you know, if you're in juvenile court, if you're in criminal court, you know, you do have the right to free counsel. You do have the right to free experts. The state will pay for that. Well, Dean, tell us um, where we can f- go to find your book. How much How much is your um, does it cost to um, buy your book and where can we buy it? Elusive Innocence, uh, Vivian, uh, I have two websites, uh, just my name, deantong.com, or, or the more uh, my primary website, of course, is abuse-excuse.com. You, you'll see the book uh, on, on the author pages over there. Um, and um, this book, um, well, it's, it's going for $12 in hard copy. It's also available for $8.50 in PDF as an e-book. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, it's available Dean, we, on Amazon.com. 
right, we've come to the end of our time. It's been a pleasure talking to you this afternoon. I've been talking to Dean Tong, nationally acclaimed forensic trial consultant expert. We talked about homeschooling parents, how homeschooling parents can protect themselves. His CPS comes knocking. He tells us to stay cool, calm, and collected. And we discussed his book, Elusive Innocence, Survival Guide for the Falsely Accused. You can go online to his um, website, um, Dean Tong, and um, find it and buy it. So check him out online. Read what he has to say. Support his work. I hope you have a wonderful weekend, Dean. You do the same, Vivian. Thank you for talking to me today. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lipman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Everybody, this is Pete Dix of Beatles and Beyond. You're listening to George Harrison jamming in the background here as I'm preparing the next show for you. So why don't you listen to Beatles and Beyond with Pete Dix on this radio station. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Well, that would make a new homeschooler a little bit frightened about homeschooling. But, you know, HSLDA is out there. People like Dean Tong are out there to help you if you get yourself into trouble. Last week, Teresa Brett and I talked about the far-reaching consequences of curbing negative emotions in a child. We have a great deal of love for the children with whom we share our lives. And during our conversation, I commented to her, honestly, Teresa, we don't go out of our way to oppress our children. We love them. And she laughed and agreed. Some of the feelings we have as mothers and parents are primordial and hard to shape when we're determined to ensure that our children have perfect little childhoods without any upsets or grey clouds to muddy their crystal clear waters. We think we're listening to our children and responding to their needs, but are we really? Is there some other inner force at work that we're unaware of? Teresa told me her television story of how she protected her young son from the frightening parts of the Star Wars film. She fast-forwarded the action whenever the music alerted her to danger. The problem? Well, it turned out that these were the parts that she found frightening, and by association, for she innately knew what was best for her son, would terrify her young child too. 
So she thought. One afternoon, when her son was watching the film by himself, she could hear the music alerting her to the frightening bits, and she shouted out, Hang on a moment, Martel, I'll be in to fast-forward that part. And he responded, Oh, no, Mom, don't come in. This is the part that frightens you. Ah, the wisdom of children and the ignorance of parents. So what are we doing? We're tapping into our worst fears and imprinting them on the children sharing our lives. And we do this with so many more things than fear. Food, books, recreation, attitudes, phobias, the list is endless. I was intrigued by a comment that Teresa made about how negative feelings in children are brushed off by adults in ways that may surprise us. She further explained that research had shown that if negative emotions are curbed in children, they'll not know how to deal with them and they grow older. Off I went to my favourite tool, the internet, typed in a few well-chosen words and found this brilliant article by Barbara Frazier on her successful parent website called Allowing Negative Feelings. And here are some clues to help all of us on our parenting journey to show more compassion towards the children we're raising and their day-to-day emotional highs and lows. After all, the children in our lives aren't dumb animals. They may need training, but they do have feelings and their own unique and inherent ways of dealing with them. As a child, I knew that there were some feelings that were frowned upon, doubly so because of the stiff upper lip syndrome Britain is addicted to. Showing feelings like anger, sadness, disappointment, were signs of weakness, not to mention windows into our souls, which we really didn't want to expose to anyone. I learned to suppress my feelings, the positive and the negative, and was successful until I was in my mid-twenties when I became part of a family who displayed the full gamut of emotions. I always knew where I stood with them. No random guesswork here. American? Heck yes. As Barbara so clearly points out, the suppression of our negative feelings ultimately ties up our good feelings too, so that we find ourselves operating in very tight, rigid boxes that constrict the total personality and leave us sometimes with inexplicable reactions such as depression and anxiety. So here are some ways that we can allow our children to express their negative feelings and then channel them into positive activities. Um... While we need to work at containing our children's pain, our aim must not be to simply get rid of it, suppress it or bypass it. So are we problem fixers? For example, there were many times when one of my children was not cast in a show that they'd all auditioned for. I was sorely tempted to immediately respond by replacing the sorrow with a positive activity to take the disappointed child's mind off the letdown. I'd whisk him off or would or could to the mall to buy something special or we could sit down and eat a tub of our favourite ice cream. While there's nothing wrong with this quick fix reaction, it's only natural to do away with the sad thoughts and replace them with happy ones. I hurt when my child hurts. These fixes could lead to some bad habits later in life. Yep, you've got it. Sad? Spend money. Let down, eat. But the child hasn't fully been allowed to express the sadness or disappointment being felt or the anger, resentment or jealousy come to think of it. By reacting too fast as the all brightness and light fairy, we haven't really given our children the opportunity to sort out how they're feeling or even to name the negative emotions going on inside. So I didn't take them shopping or eat ice cream with them. On the one hand, we were a poor one-provider family and couldn't afford to spend anything on once. And on the other, I was always watching my weight. We coped with this kind of disappointment with a show of supportive force. We'd gather around the disappointed one, talk together about it, allow the tears to flow, the strokes to comfort. 
Then the left out sibling would simply work on the show in another capacity. Consequently, auditions were not avoided because the philosophy emerged that it was okay to vent and emote good skills for potential thespians. And then audition again and again. Because everyone knows if you don't audition for a show, you'll never get a chance at being in one. We worked as a family, so all the situations ended up being win-win. Everyone was involved either on stage, backstage, in the audience, as a picture taker or a snack maker. We found our own cure for the disappointment, and it was healthy, with long-term consequences that did not create a new problem or habit. The wallet and ice cream remain intact to this day. Do we tell our children to just get over it? This may sound good on the surface, you know, like learning how to ride a bike. If you fall off, get back on. But emotional suppression, instead of allowing our children to feel painful reactions, is highly dangerous because the child's unable to listen to certain emotional warnings that are necessary to make healthy decisions. As with our theatre scenario... Our children did get back on their bikes, as it were, but not until they'd fully expressed their disappointment and anger, their sadness and feelings of rejection, and then managed to face them by participating in another capacity or not, as they saw fit. What about, think of the starving children in India. We might as well tell our children to stop being upset. Everywhere we turn, there are people with worse problems than the little upsets our our little ones bring home. Their emotional knocks may seem trivial to us, but their feelings are real. We know as adults, when we weigh our suffering against others, all we do is minimise what we're going through, which polaxes us into feelings of guilt about how selfish we are and hinders us from dealing with our very real problems and pain. How much harder it is for a child to sort through these these emotions of guilt. While it's good to remind our children of the larger picture of humanity, we shouldn't be tempted to use it to mollify or belittle a child's emotional pain. There are no right or wrong feelings. So the experts encourage us to allow our children's negative emotions to occur, to draw out their feelings, ask questions, practice reflective listening. By listening, we share the burden, and this allows the child some space with their feelings. And in the end, we're teaching our children how to express themselves verbally instead of acting out. We're giving them valuable tools in how to channel negative feelings into positive actions. And we'll also reap the joys of positive emotions in this way too. Our children will know we're a safe ear with no judgments attached. Barbara Fraser writes for her website www.thesuccessfulparent.com if you want to read more. So the saga of my mom continues. I tried calling her ward to find out how she was. I was told I could not be the next of kin. The aide said, how can you be the next of kin if you're living in America? As if I'd be calling from America, claiming to be the daughter of a random old lady who just happens to be on that particular ward. I finally talked to a doctor who told me that she'd had a swallowing x-ray and was scheduled to have a scan done on her neck and throat this week. My brother knew less than I did, and the doctor didn't seem very chipper about Ma, probably because he thought she'd been neglected. Interesting. My brother was finally allowed in to see her. It was after visiting hours and he had to battle to gain access. Yep, they're strict in England. It's a welfare state where the authorities have complete control. He told me that mum had not had the swallow x-ray yet, or at least according to one scrap of paper a nurse was reading from. She said the nurse may have missed the pertinent scrap of paper with the more up-to-date information on it that that I had been given by the doctor earlier in the day scraps of paper are there no computers she's been moved three times in a week and her papers have become jumbled this is becoming more and more of a worry for me because nobody really has a vested interest in poor mrs baggerly born may 8th 1924 i 
did find out, though, that my sister-in-law, a matron at one of the teaching hospitals, manages some of the wards at Mum's Hospital, and she's going to stick her head around the corner and make her relationship and presence known. This sort of preferential treatment, although welcomed by me in this circumstance, shouldn't be a requirement for good care, but unfortunately it is the way of the world these days. Ooh, and taxes have been all-consuming this week. My Texan and I have such a complicated system because we have a company and are self-employed. The person or team of persons who put together the forms and the wording should get an award for the most convoluted collection of random words and numbers ever seen together on one page. I suspect these same people also compose SATs and IQ tests. The instructions are whole booklets for a one-page form. What does that tell us? Is this a test for the American public to see how much it'll take before everyone's using the services of an accountant or TurboTax? I don't even remember doing this in England. It's a pay-as-you-earn system there, and unless you own a business, there are no forms to fill out. Quite honestly, they could do that here because all my children filled out an easy form, and all the information the government needs is on their W-2 and their W-9s. Waste of paper and postage. I noticed this year that the free booklets at the library have limited instructions in them, so we're having to go online to download pages and pages of notes and reminders and worksheets at our expense. We managed to finish yesterday after 14 man-hours of work. Well, I was off to pick Malia up from college yesterday. She's got over the scar of being teased by her classmates. Malia, your mother's here to pick you up. To her credit, she's developed a positive mentality to car sharing. What a waste to park for the day at college when the car could be parked for the day in our garage, ready for any eventuality that might occur on the home front. Anyway, I heard sirens around me as I approached the college turnoff. So as a good and responsible citizen, I slowed down and stopped at the side of the road. That's what you're supposed to do, isn't it? And the fire truck continued barreling towards my rear end and came to a standstill at my bumper, honking its horn, flashing its light, and generally making a complete nuisance of itself. I almost expected it to see it jump up and down in its temper tantrum. I pulled over into the middle of the road to let it pass, which it did with a loud burst of wheel screeching and fumes. I must say, I have found road rage to be more prevalent the longer I live here. I really don't remember exhibitions of rage in London when we battle for a place on the escalator. Or try to squeeze on an already overfilled tube train. I put it down to stiff up a lipidness. Or maybe it has something to do with clutching a steering wheel. And, oh, well, this week, actually, I mentioned that it's very windy and we like to open our doors and windows to create a through breeze. And with the through breeze this week came an unexpected backdraft that caused Simon's bedroom window to pop out of its casement and fall, smashing into smithereens onto the grass below. I don't know where the fall would have been best because padding around inside in bare feet is every bit as dangerous as padding around outside in bare feet. We picked up as much glass as we could, fitted cardboard until the glass was cut, and then my long-suffering cowboy and his blue-eyed son went ahead and put the window in. And um, now I still have my doors and windows open, just... And a tempting fate, I suppose. Well, I've used up another whole hour and it's time for me to bid you farewell for this week. I'm going to Stations of the Cross tonight and then out fish and chips for the first time this Lent. We missed Ash Wednesday's traditional lunch at Long John Silver's. I may see a film or read and relax and then I'm working GSM again on Sunday night. Maybe Simon will make me a delicious cappuccino with his brand new espresso machine. So I'll say thanks to my handsome husband who believes in love at first sight, our four children, who are the result of that belief, the hardworking staff at Radio, my guest Dean Tong, 
and you, my faithful listeners, especially Hannah, Tina, and Rosemary. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord show you his kindness and have mercy on you. May the Lord watch over you and give you peace. Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney on Talk.